Well, I think the best way to put these stories together is to go back to the psalmist and let the psalmist help us along the path. Psalm 123, that is right before the psalm that we sang this morning, goes something like this. If the Lord had not been on our side, this is Israel's song. If the Lord had not been on our side when they rose up against us, then would they have eaten us alive when their anger was kindled? Then would the waters have engulfed us, the torrent gone over us, over our heads would have rushed the teeming waters. Our life is like a bird that has escaped the snare of the fowler. Indeed, the snare is broken, and we are escaped. Our help comes from the Lord who made both heaven and earth. A couple of weeks ago when we were baptizing that attractive infant, Peyton, we talked about waters going up our, over our heads and how this has been a standing and radical basic metaphor for humankind for chaos and the search for God and the search for hope and salvation. The psalmist expands the metaphor and uses other great fears to connect our situation without God to the possibility of God. And so being eaten alive, which in those days was a very real possibility, is used as a metaphor. But notice it's connected with people doing the eating alive. There wasn't too much cannibalism in the ancient Near East that we know about. And about the snare of the fowler, the idea of being a bird either caught and potentially eaten or flying free. And our lives are like the bird free of the snare of the fowler. These are not about war, and these are not really only about lions, maybe. They're certainly not about swimming pools. They're about us. They're about us. Consider the expression, he was caught up in a lie. That's the idea of a snare, the fowler's snare. So what, we might ask ourselves, are our snares? What are our lions? What are our torrents that will go over our head and drown us if we're not aware of them and able to deal with them. We've been, some of us have been attending Financial Peace University on Wednesday nights and uh, uh, amazing, at least to some of us, concept came up the other day that talked about opportunity cost and that whenever we have uh, an urge to spend or to buy or to go on a trip or to do something with a chunk of money, one of the major things that we should stop and do, besides talking to somebody about it and waiting overnight and making sure we understand all those things, how am I doing? That's four out of five, right, Jen? Uh, is to consider the opportunity cost. And what that means is, what else might I be able to do with the, those resources if I weren't to spend them on the TV or the trip or the car or whatever it is? What else could I do it? And he gave some breathtaking figures about what you can do with your money if you don't spend it. And I think that this is what St. Paul and this is what the psalmists are trying to help us understand is that what are we spending our lives on? And if we weren't to spend our lives there, what might we be able to spend them on instead? Those things all seem like a good idea at the time, but we have to consider the cost of our 
snares and our whirlpools and our teeth that we allow ourselves to be caught by. And then consider what are we to do to fly free of the snares, to escape the teeth, to leap like dolphins out of the water. We go back to the beginning of the book of Psalms, number four, which is always said at Compline for some more clues. What can bring us happiness, many say. Lift up your light, the light of your face on us, O Lord. Fear God, do not sin. Ponder on your bed and be still. Make justice your sacrifice and trust in the Lord. Well, that's a lot of words that have, seem to have heavy code. So let's think about it. Fear of God, remember the midwives, they got families because they feared God. It doesn't mean they were afraid of God. It means that they listened and tried to obey. That's what fearing God means in, in the Bible. Do not sin. Does it mean don't go out and hurt people or don't go out and do things that are obviously Ten Commandment no-nos? Yes, but also what it means is don't waste opportunity. Don't spend when your resources might be applied better somewhere else. And then he says, ponder on your bed and be still. I think that has to mean prayer. Sit quietly and listen for the Word of God, how God would influence us. Is it raining back there? Oh. Ponder on your bed and be still. So, fear is listening. Sin is not wasting opportunity. Pondering is, is prayer. And then this word sacrifice. Make justice your sacrifice. That's a deep concept. St. Paul in his letter this morning is saying, offer yourselves, your lives, your bodies as a living sacrifice. And of course, in those days, a sacrifice was a display, a, a gesture, but also a decision and an actual act. There were fatlings being burned or eaten for sacrifices. But for Paul, and I think for the psalmist, and for us, our sacrifice, our gesture, followed by a decision, followed by an act, is justice. Acts of justice to others and to ourselves. How we spend our precious lives, how we spend our precious life resources. The world of 12 steps and Alcoholics Anonymous is famous for its slogans and uh, the typical story goes that when someone walks in the door, they say, what are all these slogans? I don't need slogans. I need help. Uh, by the time they stay a while, they're saying the slogans, and the, the slogans are their help, and they're running their lives by the slogans. So if you see a car driving around that says, live and let live, or one day at a time, that's what's going on. There's one called the four C's, the four C's that will lead to self-destruction. The four C's are complain, compare, criticize, and condemn. Those are the four C's. And when Paul says in his letter this morning, don't compare yourself to others. Don't worry about what they're doing. There are many gifts. Don't be more or less than you are. That's what he's talking about, self-destruction. So what's the alternative? We could make up our own list. Maybe use the letter P, if the microphone will allow me to say P a number of times. 
Let's try four or more Ps. First of all, we perceive that we have a feeling. Uh, I hate your guts, or I want that television, or I deserve a vacation, or it's a feeling, really. That's what it is. Or, gosh, how come they're doing better than I am? That's comparison. So we perceive the feeling, but then we protest against what we know are its destructive possibilities. We make ourselves aware of the possibility of living without that feeling, of living without maybe that TV, or living without acting on that feeling. We ponder. We lie in our bed or sit in our rocker or sit under our gazebo and we think, what would God have us do with this? Does God really want me to walk around hating? Does God really tell me that I need this or that or whatever it is that's taking our resources unnecessarily? We perceive, we ponder, we protest, and we are at peace if we can do these things. That's the peace that passes our understanding because God will fill us up with power if we allow him to by this process. So this is the process of a prayerful life, and this is our hope for today and tomorrow, living in to what today's collect said at the beginning of the service. It would have us be and show forth God's power in the world. Show forth God's power. If they see us, they will come. It's another AA thing, attraction, not promotion. We don't go out and beat the bushes and wring people's neck and say, you must come here and do as I say and believe what I believe. Our actions and our lives become an example for others. Then we'll become the rock, just like Peter. At the end of this reading this morning, Jesus says, tell no one that I am the Messiah. What on earth can he mean by that? Why? Tell no one. Perhaps what he means is don't tell anybody. Show them. Don't tell one person. Tell no one. Show everyone. And thereby the church will have life. Amen.